This is NPR. There's a pottery exhibition in Central Park this weekend, but not just any pottery exhibition. I I hate to, you know, always open these shows with this kind of depressing stuff, but uh, we did lose this great musician, Bill Withers. My friends feel as they're appointed to They keep trying to tell me here. And one of the things I like about Bill Withers is that his name is a complete sentence. <laughs> your name is a complete sentence, come to think That's of very it. very true. Lisa, You're right. My name, I could say yes. Lisa, comma, Foster. I could be a, right. It could be a command for you to, to adopt kids or something. <laughs> yes, or a dog. Yeah. I guess my, foster dogs. I guess my name could be too. Pat, comma, yeah. Cash. Comma, man. Yeah. Not as well. That's more of a that's more of a demand or a holdup. There is an ironic twist to this passing of Bill Withers in that his song uh, "Lean on Me" is so apropos of this time, and people have been singing it for the last two weeks. Sometimes in our lives, we all. And then, and then he passes away. It's, uh, it's odd. It's ironic. It's yeah. whatever. But he was really special. My, what's your favorite Bill Withers song? Is it "Lean on Me"? Yeah, I, I absolutely. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you. I love that. Mine that is the music, the music, the singing, the lyrics. It's just yeah. a really, really good. It's a good song. It's really good. It's really my good. favorite, and it's one I always uh, think of when I think of my wife. Ain't no sunshine. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Well, I love that when the violins come in. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a great part. Can we hear it? Yeah. And you, that part right there, that's so... It gives me chills oh, it's, every time I hear it's it. gorgeous. And yeah, it's do you gorgeous. remember this? I don't know if you remember this. We used to have a contest on the radio... Yes. Uh, and we would. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, remember we would. It, uh, uh, we we would we would have people say, "Can you fill in this part of the song? This part of the song. It's kind of a scat." And he does this. So we would challenge our listeners to see. If they could do that same scat. While it was turned down. Well, I, yeah, I would, I would drop that section of the music out. <laughs> like and then. Th- I, do it, I do it like this. Anytime she goes away. And then the listener would come in right about now. 
And I know, 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 and I don't think anybody ever won. No. It's hard. It's hard. That's you, hard. you got to be right into the correct rhythm of it. We had a few winners, but very few. It, it's difficult. <laughs> I forgot about Dumbest that. Dumbest contest ever. Oh, I uh, needed so that laugh. That's in this good. time of uh, in time of coronavirus, how is Lisa Foster doing? Ugh, don't ask, because I'm gonna you're gonna make me cry. Okay. It's hard. It's yeah. really hard. It's you know, amazingly I'm amazingly hard. I'm, uh, and I don't have it as bad as, as so many other people, and I'm still feeling guilty about and sh- shameful about my own being upset and emotional but I think the hardest part is just the isolation and not having anybody around and I can't there's no freaking change of scenery that is your mental health just sort of goes out the door and and it's I'm you know this whole week I've been very busy I'm doing a lot of voiceovers and I'm doing a lot of work that's good and learning new ways to do my work and to teach and and that's kind of added to all that and I and and, when, you know, when things get too much, you can say, well, I'm just going to get in the car and I'm going to go to the bar or I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to go to the store and shot. And you just can't do that now. Right. So sorry. When you asked me that, I just felt like I was going to burst into tears because it's been then it hasn't been that long. And who knows how much longer it's going to go. Yep. So I um, feel badly for you. I really do. And you and I are miles away, of course. And even yeah. if we weren't, I couldn't come visit you. In no, person. I know. Uh, we got this. But, we got this lovely email from a guy. I'm sorry. Were you you wanted to say something else? Well, I was gonna. I was gonna tell you that you know, in lieu of that, and I might have mentioned this last time, is um, I've been planning um, actually quite a few online parties via Zoom and 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 Google Hangout, where we've had friends. Uh, uh, you know, the Camino Island group of friends, and we all just did a cocktail party on Google Hangout. Uh, probably ten of us the other night which was really fun. And the great part about that is everybody could get loaded and nobody had to drive home. Yeah, <laughs> that's really well put. That, so, that is true. So there you go. But it, so, it does yeah. it just doesn't quite satisfy, does it? It's just not no, quite it the doesn't. same. It made, us, it made us all say, God, you know, I haven't seen you guys in months and whatever, and it made us more wistful that we couldn't just be together. I mean, it was fun, and it was, a, it was nice to take your mind off of things, and everybody's got their own issues. Some people are stuck in homes with people they can't even stand yeah. like I was thinking about people who really really hate their 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 spouse and they're like <laughs> thank God every thank God every day they go to work and I can get the hell away yeah. from them and now they're just stuck with them so I mean at least I don't have to deal with that yeah I remember you know? my aunt uh, kept working she was well into her late 70s and she said well you could have retired a long time ago she said yeah i but i can't i can't be at home with that guy i just and she loved him but she just knew he would drive I can't her nuts be home with that horse's ass yeah. I can, I would drive him. <laughs> even my neighbor she like she'll come over because i do see her occasionally just we're trying to keep it you know trying to be smart about it but yeah she came over like seven days ago and she said oh my god i just need a break from everybody they're all driving me bananas yeah so i get that each each set of people has their own issues mine is just horrible loneliness and no change of scenery and other people would kill to be lonely right now and not have people in their hair 
that lonesome whippoorwill. He sounds too blue to fly. The midnight train is whining low. I'm so lonesome I could cry. I, I don't know about you, but I have felt a desperation to call people I haven't talked to in a long yes, time. I'm calling yeah. every friend, every going through my uh, Rolodex. I mean, you know, my, yeah. my contact list. Your Rolodex. Yeah, Rolodex. <laughs> How old are you anyway? Nin- About a thousand years old. Ninety-four on my next birthday. I know, but hey, but just in my under the R's. <laughs> I haven't talked to this guy in ages. <laughs> I deserve that, uh, but but I have. I've been calling people that I haven't talked to in a million years. That's so great. Yeah. That's really great. And they and and conversely me as well. So that's kind of nice. We hey, got... if you and Patty ever want to do a, um if you guys want to get liquored up on camera with me, let yeah, me know. Let's I'm do really... it. <laughs> I love that you didn't even hesitate. No, let's, You're let's, like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do a FaceTime today, <laughs> later today, whenever you've got a moment. Okay. okay. Uh we got okay. this lovely email too, Lisa. This came actually a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. Uh, I, I loved it. It's from uh, Kevin Pang, and I don't mm-hmm. think Kevin will mind me saying his name. Uh, he said, exactly 22 years ago, when I was in high school in Kent, I wrote to you at King Five. This is Kent, Washington, by the way. I wrote at to you Kent, at Washington. Not, uh, not Britain. And I wrote yeah. to you at King Five. And Almost Live was a show that I was a part of for some years. He said mm-hmm. it was on TV. It was on King TV. And it was syndicated so maybe he saw it elsewhere but he said it was my favorite show and i watched roscoe's rug emporium about ten thousand times on my vcr playback <laughs> and roscoe's Which i have to say i have to say is one of your best all-time bits ever it never it it's got legs it's evergreen it never goes out of style it's thank you for it's that it's brilliant this it's is really a, good this it's is very a fun. this is a bit of it at roscoe's oriental rug emporium we're saying goodbye we're closing our store forever and you can save like never before roscoe's oriental rug emporium is saying that's it it's over we're done time's up farewell so long toodaloo we're out of here we really mean it no kidding this is really it this time i know we've said it before but this is the real deal this time we're hitting the bricks gonna mosey gonna sashay gonna clear out bamboos saying adios ciao vita zane sarinara arabara off to the way go godspeed until we meet again which we won't because roscoe's oriental rug emporium is closing forever we're never coming back and Kevin said, a few years ago, I pursued the slightly more lucrative career of journalism. Really? That's more lucrative, Kevin? Anyway, he said, I interned at the now-defunct South County Journal. You happened to write an occasional column, and I wrote you giddily about being a semi-colleague, and you were lovely to respond. And now, it's 20 years later, I pursued journalism. I did move to Chicago, and I became the restaurant critic at the Chicago Tribune which is a great newspaper. And I wrote yeah. stories for the New York Times. I was in Vanity That's amazing. Vanity Fair, for God's sakes. Wow. I became a documentarian. I sold it to Netflix. And believe it or not, I would spend the last three years of my life, these last three years, his life's not over, but he said, I spent the last three years working at The Onion. Uh, which is love like... Love The Onion. Yeah, like the Vatican or uh, <laughs> the Holy Grail of, of humor and... Uh, I think most which people, some people don't know they take it literally which is yeah which is which is why it's so great 
Anyway, yeah. he said, now <laughs> I... I suppose I never thought of it like that. <laughs> he said, uh, I mean, the Onion's headlines were so preposterous well, a few years ago, and now they're not. Right. Yeah. But what is just the kicker is people just get all outraged about him if you go on Twitter because the Onion, I follow them, and they'll post something, and people are like, oh, my God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it's like, you guys, it's a joke, you idiots. It's a joke. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, continue. Uh, so well, this guy's fascinating. He wrote you a long email. Is there more? Really long, and I don't. I'm not going to. It's sort of self-indulgent to continue reading it. But he now says, "I have a four-year-old. My wife and I would lie in bed at night, exhausted and drained, and feeling helpless. And then, through some miracle, I came across peculiar podcast." And he said, "My jaw dropped." Because decades earlier, I had listened oh. to you and Lisa on the air, and I listened every morning, and now it's playing through my AirPods, through my phone. No matter how silly or funny your show is, or goofy, please know that at least for one Kent Washington native, it's bringing some oh. welcome, nostalgic respite in these awful times. I felt like a kid again, and that is unbelievably sweet. And Ugh, that's going to make me cry. Yeah, that's impossible so to comment on it. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Payne. That's really nice. Um, another person that passed away since we did a last podcast was Kenny Rogers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of hit songs like this one. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucy. But I had a brush with greatness myself. And, and years ago, uh, here in Bend, Oregon, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, an impresario would be a better word, uh, a fellow that would bring these national acts into little old Bend, Oregon. He called me up and he said, hey, I would like you, to, I'm going to bring Kenny Rogers to town and I would like you to do a, a set, do a little comedy set in, before he comes out, which I, to which I readily agreed. My, I, I have no memory of what I used to do uh, as a stand-up. I was terrible. I do know that. <laughs> I would do a, some impressions, you know. The old, really? I did, yeah. I would do any voice I could manage to do. I, I did impressions, and that was part Who of... Who was your best impression? Oh, boy, I don't know. Um, like, you're talking celebrities, right? Yeah, like, celebrities. Did, people. Like Jack Nicholson, yeah, or... Yeah, that kind of stuff. Or, I bet you probably did uh, Gomer Pyle. <laughs> um, no, I did not. I'm thinking, yes, you should have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sergeant Carter, Sergeant Carter, I got my voice back. I can sing. My voice is back. Are you sure, Paul? Are you sure? Well, of course. You heard what I just sang yet. Yeah, that's right. Hey, you're supposed to go on. Come on. Excuse me, please. Now, ladies Excuse and gentlemen, if you'll look at your programs, you'll see that our next performer is Marine Private First Class Gomer Pyle. To dream the impossible dream To fight the unbeatable foe no, but anyway, that's not the point. The point is, yeah, I yeah, said, yeah. yeah, that'd be great. I'll I'll do that. And then he said, the next night, we're going to drive to Pendleton, Oregon, where he's going to do a show on a, on a second consecutive night. And I would like you to go and, and open for him that night, too. And I thought, oh, okay, great. This will be fun. So the night comes in band, and I introduce, you know, I'm, I get backstage to meet Kenny and all. That's thrilling and everything. But then I go out and I do my little set, and it's mediocre, of course. But then I say, now here he is, Kenny Rogers, and the crowd is, is thrilled, and they love it. Next night, we get in the car, 
big old Cadillac. I, I can never forget it because I had never gone in a car that would go 120 miles an hour before. And we were driving on the uh, uh, I-84 to Pendleton. Wait, you were going 120 miles yeah, in a Cadillac? Yeah, I'd, I'd never been in a car that could go that fast. I'm not driving. Another guy is, and I'm terrified. I can't believe oh we're. Oh my god! I can't believe we're going that fast. But, so we're there in and about. I eighty four isn't I eighty four like a little two lane. No, it's it's two- a freeway. It 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 runs along the Oregon side of the uh, Columbia River. Oh, but I thought it was a windy two lane or four lane. No, it's a freeway. Oh, thank okay. God. Even then, Didn't it was. Know. Yeah. So okay. we're we're just barreling along, and we get to Jeez. to Pendleton in, in about eight minutes. Uh, <laughs> we. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we get there, and I'm a little uncertain of the time that the show is going to begin, which was my bad, but I, I'm pretty confident. I know my act, and I'm going to be good, and everything's going to be fine. I don't have that much to do. And um, so I'm standing out in the parking lot. Quite a way. They have this huge pavilion there. I don't remember it that distinctly because it was many years ago. But Pendleton is famous for having a rodeo called the Pendleton Roundup. And so they have a lot of big buildings and things because they, you know, they, they have horses there and rodeos stuff. And so uh, it's in this huge thing. It's probably 2,000, 2,500 people. It's a big crowd. And this sold out. And, uh, and I'm standing out in the parking lot some distance away from the uh, facility. And I'm talking to a guy and we're just, you know, shooting the shoot. And I... And all of a sudden, a guy yells to me from the entrance to the pavilion. And he goes, Cashman, you're on! Oh, dear. And I can't believe it. I'm on. And so I go running as fast as I can towards the pavilion. And it turns out that I had just been introduced. And the guy's saying something like, And now before we begin with Kenny Rogers, here's a young comedian uh, come out to... Pat Cashman, here he is. And and I'm not there, obviously. And so I'm running for all I'm worth into the building, and I go right in the front door so that I'm running down the main aisle of the, of this f- f- facility while the audience is hooting and booing and catcalling and th- throwing stuff at me. Oh, as I'm, they're mad. Oh, they're angry as heck. And I, I, really, I guess I couldn't blame them. I go up to finally get on stage. And like I said, my my bit is that I'm going to open with some impressions, and I'm out of breath. I'm completely out of breath. I'm just here is John F. Kennedy, my fellow American. I I just could not even breathe. It was just wow. a effing disaster. Wow. And I and I thankfully blanked on m- most of what happened after that, but. Uh, they people were booing, and I, I think I sort of won the audience back. There was some sympathy out there for what a catastrophe I was, but mm-hmm. uh, then I introduced Kenny Rogers. That's my Kenny Rogers story. But it is like a classic bad dream that anybody yes. in that profession has. <laughs> yeah. Last night I had a dream. You in it, and I was in it with you. Everyone that I know, and everyone that you know was in my dream. I just talked to a friend of mine yesterday who's a stand up comic and a very good one. 
And he said that one time, this is a little tawdry, forgive me, but he said one time uh, I was the uh, the headliner and there was a guy that was going to open for me. And I said, oh, great. How long are you going to go? And he said, I'm going to be about 20 minutes. He said, that's great. So back in the green room, they, most of these comedy clubs have green rooms where you sit and there's a speaker back there so you can hear what's going on on stage. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, well, I just, I, the call of nature hit me and I had to go really bad. <laughs> so I was sitting on the john and this guy says, well, that's all I got for tonight. Good night, everybody. <laughs> and he walked out. And so I'm, I'm not even finished and I'm trying to clean myself up and I run on stage and I, it, he said, I can feel this in my pants and I know I didn't even finish up and it's just horrible. He said it was the oh. hardest most horrible set I ever gave. Oh, Uh, God. So, all right, enough of that. So what what do you got going on? All right, so I had a couple of um, articles I wanted to share with you. They're not articles. They're just a quick story. Articles of clothing or what? Just a couple quick stories for you. And I thought this would be be good for you to know that there was a um, uh, sort of a, a poll done by the New York Times that uh, said that loggers, and this might interest you, Pat, because you used to be a logger a long, 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 long time ago. Yeah, I actually was. And they said, uh, the so the New York Times analyzed hundreds of professions, and they said that loggers, whose odds of contracting COVID-19 was the lowest of any profession out there. I've seen two loggers stand toe-to-toe and slug it out in a free-for-all fight. And when it was over, they get up and shake hands and laugh and drink together the rest of that night. I've seen a logger pick up a baby bird and put it back into its nest. And I've never heard one criticizing a man when he knew he was doing his best. And apparently there's about 5,000 loggers in the U.S. And apparently they enjoy so much well-ventilated personal space on the job that they are the lowest risk of any anybody painters sculptors hmm. illustrators kind of makes those sense. people those people are hosts but if you're a logger you're probably pretty safe and can continue working i don't know if they can continue working or not but okay. i just thought you'd like to know that in yeah. case you need a backup plan yeah, I, I need to get back into that profession uh to and call then, me a logger is rather generous what i was was a choker <laughs> set, setter and if people have done any well, logging they know i would tie these is it isn't logger just an umbrella phrase yeah, for anybody I guess it is. Who, yeah. who puts their hands on a tree? Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. But the guys would go up, they would fell these trees, and then they would cut them up a little bit, and then they'd leave these huge logs behind. And my job as a lowly choker center was to... A choker is kind of a cable, and you wrap it around the end of a tree. And then a... Um, and then you can drag the tree around. Yeah, then then a, a, a tractor or something comes up and, and attaches it and drags it, it down. Like lot, that sounds like a lot of work. It drags it down to a landing where it's then loaded onto uh, logging trucks. Well, So sometimes if we were way up in the woods, very remote, uh, I, I didn't have anything to do for sometimes 45 minutes at a time because it took that long for the, uh, they called them crummies, and they would go down and pull these logs so I'd, I'd either fall asleep, or in my case, I would just start talking to myself. And I and I would do <laughs> pretend radio shows, like I was the host of a radio show. And 
that kind You're of such a dork. I am a dork, but I that's that's kind of where I figured out how uh, to do a talk funny. show just by talking there to myself, go. and I would yeah. do different characters and uh, all that stuff. But that's a but good I almost idea. got myself killed one time because your head has to be in the game when you're logging and i was in my one of my dream fantasies and the guy i hook up the log and the guy starts pulling it away and you should always get uphill from that and i was standing alongside and the log as it was being drug along hooked up onto a a, a stump that was underneath the dirt and i didn't see it and so the log lifted up in the air and swung mm. right over my head like a baseball bat just missed oh, me wow. it would i would have been killed and i remember my legs were like jelly after that you cannot even stand up you're so freaked oh, out oh my so. god well i'm glad that didn't happen because i don't know who i would have done a radio yeah who would you be talking to right were. now i it's don't crazy. know so wait let me ask you how far away is newport oregon from you and in bed takes about uh, two and a half three hours to get there it's on the oregon coast beautiful town they have an well, aquarium it's it's fun well, the Oregon Police Department. That's where is Keiko asked... was, by the way. The the whale. Oh, really? Yeah, for a period of time. Where is Keiko now? I think he is um, with Bill oh, Withers. He... I think so. Really? Yeah, I think so. Oh. Tonight, right. the beloved Keiko, Hollywood's Free Willy, is gone. Now, first for local news, Como Four News. Good evening. We got the heartbreaking news from Norway tonight. Keiko, the orca whale known to millions as the star of the Free Willy movies, is dead. He died this afternoon in Norwegian coastal waters following the sudden onset of pneumonia. It was uh, quite an experiment when Keiko was taken from that aquarium in Mexico City and then moved on to the Oregon Aquarium where we, he was uh, rehabilitated and eventually set free. Well, the uh, Oregon Police Department in Newport is asking the public not to dial 911 just because they've run out of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> they posted actually on their Facebook page and they were warning people, hey, look, you guys, we cannot bring you toilet paper. And they also reminded them that history offers many other options for you in your time of need. So they just went on to cite some other ways that you could take care of yourself if you did run out of toilet paper. You can use corn cobs. We talked about this. You can use, here's what the old uh, sailors used to use, uh, of uh, the old sailors of yore. They used old rope and anchor lines soaked in seawater. <laughs> Ow. But not the anchor. That just that'll feels, mess you up. seems like that'll feel bad. So don't call the police if you've run out of toilet paper. Yeah, that's fair Did enough. And read... they have a lot of uh, barnacles and seashells there, too, uh, yeah. in Newport. So. Did you see there on, uh, I don't know, I'm Sand. trying not to watch the news much anymore, but I did tune in to CBS Sunday um, and they had Great a whole show. thing on the psychology. Yeah, and Great they had show. a thing about the psychology of people buying toilet paper, and it makes total sense. Yeah. When you're in a situation where you have little control and you really don't know, and it's it's chaotic and uncertain, there's just some comfort in knowing that at least you have control over having 
something, a stash of something that is considered an essential. And you don't have to worry about that part. There's something really powerful yeah. in that. I still don't think it's right that people walk out with five shopping carts full of toilet paper. But the reason they're doing that is for a sense of of control and peace of mind to, yeah. to whatever extent I get that'll that. buy. I think I do too. I, I got totally that get before that. there was ever this coronavirus thing. I always felt yeah, like, true. oh, that's great. That's true. Not only do you have toilet paper on a roll, but then there's a second roll right on your, the back of your toilet. So they, oh man, I am set. Yeah. No matter what happens here, and I've got enough. Your, and then you open your your hall closet, and there's a big big package of them in there too. And you're like, okay, not only do I have that, I got this big package in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've always, I've never been one, I've never, I don't believe I've ever run out of toilet paper in my life. I don't Good believe I have. Good for you. I'm very so. proud of you. That's, that's... <laughs> so there's that. I was in a local big store the other day, couldn't believe people was acting that way. All in a hurry, walking around like they's mad. I found out why over in paper goods, them aisles was empty, there I stood, not even a paper napkin to be had. Then a skid load of Charmin rolled in out of the back like feeding piranhas. They began to attack, pushing and shoving, even throw the punch or two. Well, them people wasn't raised in the country like me. Toilet paper was a rich man's luxury. I wrote this song, tell them other things they can do. I've used weeds and leaves and a handful of grass. All kind of ways you can clean yourself. And when the new Sears catalog came out, we was all glad. In the summertime when sweet corn was ripe, we'd save every cob was a really good white toilet paper to us, something that the rich folks had. And then one more thing in uh, Nevada, the, you know, the prostitutes there say that so far that the pandemic's been pretty good for business. Yeah. This surprised me. Yeah, that kind of does surprise a little bit. You think they she social said, distancing uh, Yeah, not so happening. apparently... The theory is that the coronavirus fear is reminding people that life is short. <laughs> so you might as well just uh, uh, head on down and have, uh, you know, right. get your get your jollies with somebody who's cute. Would, and, would it uh, be worse to die of syphilis? Uh, probably not. So, yeah. Well, they're checked pretty good. Those, they take that, that legalized sex worker oh i know (laughs) they take that pretty serious they're not riddled with lice and syphilis they're (laughs) anymore they're pretty they're pretty yeah they're pretty clean so but apparently yeah so there you go but it's it is shocking that all the casinos are shut down and and you know i I, the nice thing is home depot and lowe's are still open because they are considered essential in terms of if you need to do any home improvement or emergency repairs of your hot water they're open so i'm gonna i'm going shopping at home deep because you can buy stuff like plants yeah and pots and did you did you hear stuff. about a hobby lobby that is actually well, no. they're what? actually uh petitioning to be considered an essential essential business. really yeah you're kidding no and and then my wife today noticed that uh place she likes to shop is joanne fabrics Mm-hmm. And they are open, I'd but love but they will come out to your car with with whatever you ordered. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, man, I don't know, uh, Joanne Fabrics. That's a place I need to go into to see what I want because I I don't know. Yeah. 
But I think true. I think they're considered essential because they have fabric and you could make masks out of that, perhaps. Oh, maybe, I suppose. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I suppose. Uh -huh. Here comes another ballroom story. Those low dead dice recent past. Sweet innocence's last her glory. Modern living, so she wears a mask. things like Petco, you know, that store is, today I was ordering some stuff from uh, dog food and whatever, and they're, they're like, you can come, you can order and we'll just come out and just throw the dog food in your trunk for you yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. I went and go. got, I had to get some uh, pharmaceuticals the other day. Uh, I have, you did? I have prescriptions. What did you get? Uh, you know, cocaine, stuff and like that. <laughs> no, I have, I have like three uh, prescriptions I have to take every day. And so... The guys from Rite Aid came right outside and stood on the sidewalk in front, and that's how mm -hmm. I got delivery of those things. So, But you know what, Pat? There's probably nobody inside the store. Yeah. I went into Rite Aid the other day just because I ran out of allergy medication, and I, I, had and to, I just had to get it. And there was, like, one girl, and she looked really sad. I'm like, hi. She's like, hi. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you poor thing. Yeah. You're worse off than me, and I've been crying all week. So yeah, it's bleak. Thing. It is bleak. It is. It's the strangest time. It's very depressing. Time. I, just yeah. watch, I just watch people. Yeah, and some of these stories are so inspirational, as you know. They, you see mm -hmm. people standing. There was a, a, a pastor, a, a beloved pastor somewhere in the middle, in the uh, eastern part of our country that had passed away. And all of his uh, parishioners came and sang hymns uh, as his wife his widow by then came out on mm -hmm. to the front of her house and listened. Yeah. It, it's just tearful stuff, and it just yeah, makes you. I know. But it makes you feel so good about about people. We are really good. These people everywhere in the world, mostly good people. There are yeah. there are obviously some exceptions, but for the most part, you can't be cynical. We're we're a great we're a great species. We're really good, and uh, and I just. It just makes me proud to be among that flock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, life does go on, though. There is a guy yep. that is running for office uh, down here in Central Oregon, and uh, and he <laughs> he's running for Congress, and it's a it's an open seat right now. the uh, The congressman had had served for twenty years. He decided to get out. He's a Republican, and so. This guy is a Republican, and he's running for the seat. And his name is Jimmy Crumpacker. And, I, and you know, I... That sounds nasty. I, everything that he says in his ad, uh, it doesn't appeal to me at all. I, it, it, he, I would never vote for this guy just because of what he stands for, which... Oh, I thought you were going to say just because of his name. No, no. Okay. But I, what I love, this ad is really good looking. It's a TV ad. It looks good. It's creative. I have to give it to him. He takes on his weird name head on. Check it out. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Crumpacker, seventh generation Oregonian, and I approve this message because in Oregon. Cut. Cut. Uh, I'm hearing things. It sounds like you're saying Trumpbacker. 
Well, I do back President Trump's agenda 100%, but it's crumb packer. Illegal immigration? Send them packing. Second Amendment? I'm packing right now. So it's crumb packer. Now you're getting it. The gun packing Trump backer who's going to send them packing? Crumb packer? That's the one. Now let's shoot this commercial. You got it, Jimmy. I'm Jimmy Crumpacker, and I approve this message. Jimmy Crumpacker. <laughs> I mean, I love that he just doesn't, just doesn't duck the fact that he's got a weird name, and uh, it's just very, good, very good ad. I'm, I just wish he, he, I just wish I could vote for him, but I, I would certainly vote for his ad. It's great. <laughs> One of the nice. uh, things I have been doing is watching, and I encourage all of our podcast listeners, by the way, to do the same thing. Watch as much television as you can. This is not a time to be reading. Uh, I know. Yeah. But it God, it's just it's so funny you have all this time to do and it's like, oh God. I am I'm getting burnt out on Yeah. Yeah. But you know, people are sharing um a series. You were saying last episode there's too much to choose from on Netflix and I agree. I think so. Yeah. We uh during our little cocktail parties everybody's been offering up what shows they've been binging and and which is great cuz it gives you some ideas of new things to watch. Yeah. And I don't know if you've watched Tiger King, that yeah. new one on Netflix. Yeah, you I know, haven't watched it yet, but I, it's on my list. I kind of didn't want to watch it because I didn't want. I, I hope the animals don't get hurt. I can't take that, but they do. Um, they, oh, then I'm not going to watch. There's it. definitely okay, animal abuse there, but uh, okay. But it's, never it's mind. You no, know, you won't. You won't like it. And we started to watch it. There's seven episodes, I believe, and it's yeah. It's become okay. a phenomenon that everybody yeah, watches. I know. We I'm we not watching it now. we bailed out after three episodes. I said, and we, Patty and I said, we don't. You know, yeah. This, this okay, I'm out. Yeah. Never mind. Don't I'm watch out. It. You won't like it. It's not every day that a zookeeper went to prison for murder for hire. There are more captive tigers in the U.S. than there are in the wild throughout the world. Um, um, I do have. Uh, have you been watching Ozark? Oh my that's God! Really that's crazy. I think God, that's I my know, new favorite really show. Good, yeah, it's a really good. It's series. fantastic. It's fantastic. It's really good. I can't recommend it highly enough to everybody. Really good. Ozark, and Don't and I would that. say this third season was their best yet. Money, that which separates the haves from the have-nots. Patience, frugality. Sacrifice. Deciding to invest in your family's future. And taking responsibility for the consequences of those actions. It's yeah. just tremendous. Uh, it's among I my all-time favorite series. But we, um, we were watching another series, and we've been watching it for about a year. It's called Peaky Blinders. Do you know that? Yeah, series? I've heard of that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so last night we're watching Peaky Blinders. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as a ship and crack And then I fall asleep in the middle of it. it it's great, but I just fall asleep. So this morning I got up and I said, I'm going to finish up that Peaky Blinders episode. And I get on my Netflix and it's, you know, it tells you continued watching for mm -hmm. Pat. Mm -hmm. And it's not on there. Peaky Blinders is not on there. So I have to search around for it. Turns out we saw the last episode of the last Peaky Blinders that uh, is on Netflix. And I was ultimately depressed. I, oh. I mean, I know they did another episode. Was that but the finale? Well, it's not because they did a new episode, but it's 
a, a new season, but it's just not oh, on Netflix at this point. It's not on yet. But yeah. there's a guy in there. There's a character on there named Arthur, and <laughs> his voice cracks me up because this is this is how Arthur sounds. I uh, I don't know what's going on here right now, <laughs> but I'm not gonna stand for it. All right. <laughs> We are the Peaky Blinders, and we're not going to be pushed around, all right? And, That's a great And I'm thinking, I think, who in real life have you ever heard of that has a voice like that? Like, if you go to yeah. the supermarket, all right, will that be enough for you now, mate? Do you want some more? You know, we've got beer for sale over there. And I like you ought to die the very nice beer, too, if you ask me. You ought to try it. I mean, I've my never God, had you'd, a, you'd be so alarmed never, you'd run out of there. I've never had a voiceover student walk into my class that sounded like that. But if they did, that would be so awesome. <laughs> I just thought it was so, so awesome. nobody in my life has ever had that voice. But yeah, we accept really it when it's on TV or in, in sure, movies. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Uh, this is another complete flight of fancy, and we're wrapping this up soon. But <clears throat> excuse me, I'm back to cigars again. Gosh darn it! Well, you got plenty of time on your hands. I so. do, I do. I watch, and, and you know, you can if you wanted to to smoke and you never smoked in your life, why not smoke yeah. now? What what's what's the risk? <laughs> well, the risk. Why not start is, drinking? You, you silly little nutcake! the The risk is that the COVID nineteen is a lung in, oh, lung right. disease. Yeah, I didn't think about so that. So that's why you got to be careful with that right. stuff. Uh, I've been uh, uh, watching. This will show you how old I am, but uh, I've talked to one. I thought we established it, it, that earlier. Yeah, you did. Uh, I love these old Alfred Hitchcock episodes. They're they're ancient. Yes. They're in black and white. Yeah. Usually they're good stories, but not always. And sometimes you I go. Texted me. You texted me the other day. You were watching that. My mom was a huge Alfred Hitchcock fan. I yeah. mean, she had all of. He wrote. He was a writer. He had paperbacks. And he had these Alfred Hitchcock mag little magazine, you know, like Reader's Digest type of things. She subscribed to those. She had millions of them. She watched all the movies, all the shows. Because didn't he have a weekly show? Yeah. Is this what you're talking That's about? That's what I'm the talking about. Show? And it's a half hour show, right? Yeah. The, or an hour. The only thing I would correct you on is that he was not a writer. Uh, he, But he would publish those Alfred oh, Hitchcock right, right, right. books, and they they would right. leave stuff from other writers and stuff. And oh, okay, he'd got it. He'd attach his name to it. I never. He didn't yeah, write I never his movies. Him, he was so. a director of the movies, and he'd obviously influenced the scripts. But got it. Uh, but you know, he's trying. The TV shows and, were like a cash cow for him. He probably made sure. way more money doing that than he ever did on his movies. And so the quality of these little episodes—they're half hours, and then later they went to an hour. And I I'd rather have a half an hour. Uh, the quality varies wildly. One of my favorite episodes, they just aired the other day. And you think about this script. It's so brilliant. Uh, a woman <laughs> is at home, and she's, uh, she's waiting for her husband to come home. And he's a cop. And he comes in the house, and she's just said, hey, honey, I'm going to fix dinner. And she, puts, she goes out to the freezer and puts this big old leg of lamb into the stove, in, into the oven, I should say. And he and she comes back and says, "Well, dinner's cooking. What's going on, honey?" And he and he won't talk to her. And finally, he wheels around and says, "The truth is, Mary, I want to leave you." And she goes, <gasps> ah, "What? What? What do you mean? I don't love you. I'm gonna. I'm, I love someone else. I'm leaving." And she goes, "Oh, okay. 
Well, what, shouldn't you just let, let me at least fix dinner for you? Uh, I don't want dinner. And so what happens is she grabs this uh, leg of lamb, which is still frozen, and she clubs him over the head with it when his back is turned and kills him. <laughs> so then it becomes a procedural where the cops, uh, his fellow cops, come to the house. She calls, you know, the operator and says, I need the police. There's My husband's dead. She pulls, pushes a bunch of chairs over and stuff. So it looks like somebody broke into the house and killed him. So, brilliant. so it's brilliant because the cops at the end of it, the cops, she said, hey, before you guys leave, uh, I've got a, I've got a roast in the oven. Why don't you guys have dinner? And and so they're all going. <laughs> you can hear them talking. <laughs> Boy, you know, it feels like it feels like the the, the weapon that was used here was right under our nose. Well, uh, something like a club, for instance. A club? Did anybody think to turn off that oven? Hey, that looks all right. Uh, it sure does. And they're eating, <laughs> they're eating the evidence. It's just fantastic. Very clever script. So that's a good one. But mostly, they're not very good. But one I gravitated towards the other day, which is a long way of me getting to this, um, it was a guy that was feeling really sorry for himself. And I, and I related to it because I've mm -hmm. done this with my wife. You have to have a spouse or someone in your life that you can confess your weaknesses to, your insecurities to. And, uh, and, and this guy was just, he was doing me. What's wrong? Nothing. You've been so moody lately. Hardly spoke to me all evening. Have I, have I done something? No, it's not you, Paula. It's me. You. I might as well tell you about it. You'll hear about it anyway. The new housing tract up on Pine Hill. Frank Kennedy got the exclusive listing. Oh, Norm. Why? Why? Because no one likes Norman Frame. Oh, darling, that's not true. Everybody likes you. Yeah. That's why I didn't get the listing. Yeah, I'm a real prize, aren't I? I'm no good, Paula. I never was, I never will be. And But, okay. but what happens uh, in... The, that woman was very sympathetic. But what happens in my case is my <laughs> wife will have none of it. And she says, oh, get out of here, dummy. Stop it. Shut it up. Doesn't, yeah, shut up. Suck it up. Yeah. I, so I, I gave it up because it doesn't work with her anymore. <laughs> One, oh. I don't know if you have anything else. One more thing I wanted to play. Uh, yeah. And, and I wanted to also mention that I have been uh, mm -hmm. listening to a lot of music in this during this time. And I mm -hmm. have latched on to the Eagles. Uh there were oh. two of the Eagles concerts uh, on TV. I've recorded them. They're just stupendously good. I just forgot. Nice. I forgot how good the Eagles were and, and still mm -hmm. are, even though they've lost one of their members. But, geez, they're great. Uh, I've, yeah. I've encouraged people to listen to their favorite music. It, it will restore you. It really works.
There was a guy named Mal Sharp that passed away a couple of weeks ago. And he, uh, he used to do a lot of voiceovers for TV, and he was kind of a radio comedian guy. And together with another fellow named Jim Coyle, they used to walk around town in San Francisco and just, um, they would engage people with preposterous premises. And they would get some really funny responses from people. Uh, and they did a whole collection of these things. But my absolute favorite was uh, a, a bit called Maniacs in Living Hell. And what I'll just play a portion of it here, but the, the fellow doesn't know that it's a put-on. And he's so cute because he really thinks, okay, this, this might be a, a reasonable job for me to take on. Uh, this is Mal Sharp and Jim Coyle. This is Mal Sharp with another in the series, Job Opportunities. Every day I bring an employer out onto the street and have him offer a San Franciscan an interesting and novel job. Now I have James P. Coyle with me, our employer of the day, and I've just stopped a young man who we're going to offer a job to. I am James P. Coyle, and I'm very glad to meet you. Sorry. The nature of the job is it's a little unusual. Just like anything else, there are certain risks entailed in it. You would be working down in a pit. Uh, in which I have created, uh, through scientific endeavor, I have created intense flame. People throw objects in the flaming pit, you go through, you pick them up, uh, they name the object, you pick them up, and uh, I charge them admission. Yeah, I, I think I'd be interested. It's something new and exciting, you know, and I like exciting. The reason I ask, I had an employee before, and I will tell you this directly and honestly, uh, he was a little careless and incautious. I gave him specific instructions, and he perished. Now, I want you to understand this before we get any further. He oh, did yeah. perish. I understand. Well, mistakes can happen sometimes. Now, as I understand it, the death index on this job, they give us a death index, is about 98%. In other words, if you took this job, the chance of your actual perishing would be 98% in favor of your perishing. This is a chance. I like to take chances. What we're trying to do, really, is to create a living hell. Have, have people pay admission. They look down in the pit. They see you down there. The flames are all around you. There will be four maniacs with you, and you've got to control them. Now, wait a minute. I understand that you said four maniacs? Yes. Yeah. And uh, you mean I got to tell them what to do or try to keep them together or something like yes, that? Yes, exactly. Control oh, them and yeah. see that they don't interfere with you because yes. they will. That's what they're going to try and do. Uh -huh. They're fully costumed. They're fully protected and they're going to be attacking you. And uh, this is part of the attraction. Oh, I see. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Have you worked with maniacs before? No, never. Have you worked with flame before? No, not necessarily. One other uh, aspect, large bats fly through the air. You've seen bats, haven't yeah. you? These are very large bats with, uh, I might say, extremely large teeth from the photo I saw. They'll be swooping down over your head. Would the bats at all deter you from doing your job? No, I don't think so. If I had a job to do, I'd try to do it regardless of the bats or anybody else. Now, I am, I'll explain the situation to start with. I want to be sure you can handle a job. I am paying $46 a week uh, initially. Uh, is this agreeable? Sounds okay. And I am offering uh, not only the $46, but during the 12 hours that you'll be down in the pit every day, I will provide nourishment to you. In other words, I will provide one meal. Uh, 
during that 12-hour period. Will that be satisfactory? Sounds okay. Have you ever consumed bats? No, I haven't. Would you look forward to the idea of actually consuming uh, bats? Eating one? Yes. I guess so. In other words, your lunch, you go down and open up your little brown paper bag that Mr. Coyle had prepared, and inside there, there would be a bat, and then you would just prepare it down in the flames. Oh, I had to cook it myself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Why? Oh, no. I, well, I could, if you could cook it for me, I wouldn't mind eating it, but, you know, what? a bat. Yeah. But as long as I didn't see it cooking, you know, I think I could devour it. Have you ever had any experience with snakes, large snakes? No. See, the bats, uh, the bats, actually, they're foes down in this pit. The reason why the bats are there is because there are snakes in the pit. Uh -huh. The bats attack the snakes, and the snakes will be curling around your feet as you're trying to handle the maniacs. Yeah, I'm now, not scared of snakes, though. What? I'm not scared of snakes. Are you at all, and be honest, are you at all afraid of the maniacs? No, not really. What are you going to do with them as they start attacking you? Fight them off. And this is what the people pay for. Uh -huh. The people who are looking down in the pit pay to see you surrounded by flames, uh -huh. picking up objects that they throw down to you. You're, you'll be attacked by the maniacs and the bats. The snakes will be crawling at your feet. This, uh -huh. You understand, this is what the people pay for. Yeah. Well, it's, they pay to see it. Uh, give them their money's worth. Now, do you, uh, what I'd like to know is that you fully understand the job. Can you, in your own way, recapitulate what I've told you about the job? so that we know that you do have an understanding of it. Yeah, it seems to me you want me to uh, work in uh, some kind of a pit. As you say, you're trying to develop a living hell. And uh, in this pit, I wear some sort of a uniform, and it'll be a lot of flames. And uh, I have to work with uh, maniacs, and watch out for bats flying around. And uh, I'll get one meal a day. I'll be in there for 12 hours, and I'll have to eat a bat. And you will take the position. Yeah, I, I like to try it. Okay. I love that bit. I just love it because <laughs> the guy is so sweet. But then he gets to a point where, okay, I, I won't go there. That that's that's a bridge too far for me. Everybody has their limit, has their bound they do. boundaries. Okay, here we go. Joke of the day. Awesome. You got you prepared? I did. You ready? Yay. This is yeah. I love this joke. I, I hope you do okay. too. Okay. Two ladies are at the veterinarian's office. One of the women has a poodle, the other one has a Great Dane. And the lady with the Great Dane asks the poodle lady, Why are you here? And the woman says, My dog keeps scratching himself, so I'm here to get some flea spray. How about you? The Great Dane lady says, Well, I'm here because my dog is oversexed. If I bend over to wash the floor or I pick up anything, he wraps his paws around me and he starts to hump me. Is that the end of the joke? So the, so the other woman says, oh, so I guess you're probably here at the vet to get him neutered. And she says, no, I'm just here to get his nails clipped. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. 